Kalon, host of Marketeers Clubhouse. Today I have, uh, thankfully, I have tons of amazing friends, and today I have another one. Um, she is uh, super close to my heart. She married one of my best friends, uh, and I couldn't be happier to have her on. And I'm planning on learning a ton today because I don't actually understand the world of talent representation, managers, agents. I don't understand this. And my guest today is Lena Lee's height. It's a hyphenated uh, last name. Welcome Lena to uh marketeers clubhouse. Um, I would like to tell just a quick story about how we met. Oh, so <laughs> day, day one, and you know this story because I've repeated it in public. Yeah, you were the MC at our wedding, so I'm sure I've heard it. I was the MC at your wedding. Yeah. So I was in Vancouver doing something. I think it was for the Olympics for 2010. Yep. And one of my favorite people, Derek Height, and we worked at the same company, we both worked at Oakley at that time. And I'd known Derek since he was I don't know, 14 or 13, something like that. Is a very, very young, super mop head, curly haired snowboarder. And uh, he called me up and he's like, Jay, you're in town. You know, uh, I got this girl. I want you to meet her. Let's go for breakfast. Let's go for breakfast. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go for breakfast. So we meet up and I meet you. And I was first off like, Derek, you're doing good. Congratulations. <laughs> She's beautiful. And I think I even said that in front of you and very much. Probably made me like, awkward and embarrassed. Yeah, made everyone awkward really quickly, but that's my style. Then we went about 10 minutes into this conversation and I said, guys, just stop. And you both sort of stopped and looked at me. I said, I'm going to be the MC at your wedding. And both of you laughed it off. And yeah. as you already said, I was the MC at your wedding. And so uh, it was an absolute honor. I adore both of you. Um, we've had the chance to travel. We've had um, lots of fun times together. Uh, that being said, I don't really understand what you do. I kind of understand what your husband does, although it's very challenging because he's I'm going to see him on another podcast one day uh, but I really wanted to dive in I asked you before I asked Derek because I find you way more interesting and more pleasurable oh, to talk great. to S sorry Derek Height uh, <laughs> but uh, the uh, you're coming from you're, you're situated in Vancouver um, you are a and I'm going to get this wrong you're a talent manager or agent this is confusing. Do you want me to clear this up right out of the gate? <laughs> I want you to clear up exactly where you are, and then we're going to go way back because I want to know, once we know what you are officially, because I've used both when yep. I talk about you. Yep. Um, so what are, is your actual title? Okay. I prefer to refer to myself as a manager. The, and our company, our company is play management, and we prefer to operate as managers. With that said, the reason there's always an air of confusion with everybody is in the U.S., there is a legal and technical differentiation between an agent and a manager. In Canada, there is not. So we can call ourselves whatever we want, given the circumstances of our client, but the sort of definitions of the two, although they have become blended in recent years and very, very similar with a ton of crossover, 
in earlier days in the industry, there was very much a difference between the agent who was there to procure the work and get the opportunities and negotiate the deals. And the manager was there on the team to really manage, manage the career. What's the strategy? What's the forward thinking approach? What the schedule, the sort of minutia and the nitty gritty of a artist, not only day to day, but long term. And so there was really a place for both and there still is and in Canada we don't necessarily have the liberty of like putting on the manager hat and then putting on the agent hat on any given day we're doing both jobs and our American counterparts can kind of like divvy up the two um so I'm still out there hustling for my clients um getting them the opportunities but I truly truly enjoy the management side of it so if you like, do you have, because of the difference between Canada and the U S do you have clients from the U S and you have to pick what you're going to be called in the U S or do you have strictly Canadian clients? No, we have clients, we have clients on both sides of the border. Majority of my roster is Canadian or dual. Um, and, but even those Canadian homegrown citizens who now call LA home, Sometimes I have to pick a title. Sometimes I need to pick a lane, but it kind of depends on the team structure. If there's another agent in the mix, then I'll take the managerial role. If there's a, an LA, New York, whatever American-based manager, then I'll sort of take the agent role. And then again, you'll hear, hear me interchange my title and say, I'm so-and-so's agent. But gotcha. usually on a, on a regular basis, I would prefer to sort of take that managerial title. Okay, so you're a talent manager in Canada, and we'll just say the bulk of what you do, we can we can call that. Uh, and FYI, my only real knowledge of agents and managers and all this stuff in Hollywood is from Ari Gold on Entourage, which is probably <laughs> the single worst place that I could have learned how agents work. Derek and I watched that show together and what was so, and actually still one of my favorite shows. And what was fascinating about watching that show together is we laughed at different jokes because he was sort of laughing at like the surface jokes, what would just sort of generally be funny. And yeah. then I'd be laughing at like the inside industry jokes being like, right. oh, they're poking fun at a real person or a real situation. And I, I still, still a fan favorite there. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of my favorites. So I'm glad I'm not uh, too ridiculous and too off point. So we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Yeah. So now that we know who you are, there are a ton of people who would love to be in your shoes. And to further this even farther, Play Management has multiple locations. Where are the where are the different offices that you guys exist in right now? Vancouver and Toronto, and we have people based in the southeast as well in Atlanta. Okay. So you've got basically three spots. You're across North America. Um, you guys are primarily, if, if I am correct, still a completely female owned, uh, and partnership agency. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I've got two co-founders who are my dear, dear friends. You've met both of them, Trina and Vicky. And then we brought on, um, uh, Kaylee Harris and Mary Falcon into the partnership fold about a year and a half ago. And they, you have actually also met them at the wedding and they've been with us 12, 13 years now. So there's, there are five partners in total. I have uh, so many questions uh, about play and the structure and having so much estrogen in a single organization and just like, like, I can't wait, you know, we're going to get there um, for 
the young men and young women who want to get in the position where you are, how did you get there? What's your, what was your base education? Where did you find your struggles and your bottlenecks? Um, who was your first client? Like, I want to know, like, I know young Derek, your husband, I want and I know exactly his story. I want to understand your story because I think stuff like becoming a talent manager, I got it right. Not an agent. Yeah. Manager. Yeah. <laughs> um, becoming a talent manager seems kind of like a dream job. Like so many people are like, what do you want to be? I was like, I want to be an actor. I want to be a spaceman. I want to be a, you know, like talent agent is actually a thing that people really think would be a cool job. And outwardly it looks fun mm -hmm. because you get to be in this process of creating, um, like very outward facing art and you get to walk by a movie marquee at a theater and go, I, I got to touch that. Like, it's a really, really cool thing. Um, can you give me a bit of your, your sort of Genesis of where you grew up, how you got the support to get to where you did? Um, and then like any of the technical things that you had to do to get there. Oh, okay. So how long do we have? <laughs> we got some time. I want a mini, I want to, I want a few minutes afterwards the, to, to talk to you, but go for it. Okay. So I, I quickly, I'm just going to touch on what you just said, because it's one of the reasons I actually genuinely love my job. I cannot draw a stick man if my life depended on it. Like the artistic sort of bone was not naturally born into my body, but I love the arts. And so exactly what you just said, you know, admittedly living vicariously through the talent and the artists that we work with is one of the reasons I love one of one of the many reasons I love my job so much because you're bang on. It's like every day is different. We've got an artistic and creative aspect of what we do, marrying business and it's it, it's always fun so in short you nailed it um my origin story i uh, was actually born in nelson british columbia which you may not have known and um shout out to all the hippies rocking crystals in nelson right lena's out being a businesswoman i forgot my crystals at home today <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so born in Nelson, but um, my family uh, relocated to Vancouver when I was about five or six. And so Vancouver's truly home. Like this feels like home to me. Um, it's where I currently still live. And, and Derek and I raise two children and attempting to raise children. And um, we, I found myself in the industry totally by accident. So to answer your question, I have no fancy degrees, no formal sort of training. It was a sink or swim situation. And I kind of found myself in the industry completely by accident. I didn't even know this existed. Like when you say like, people are out there and maybe it's thanks to entourage that they're like, I want to be an agent. I want to be a manager. I didn't even know this existed. So, um, to go way back, I was a hostess at a Mexican restaurant as my high school job. After I graduated high school, I went backpacking in Australia. This would have been 99, 2000. And, um, I came back from backpacking. I literally had $10 to my name. I was living in my parents' house. I was 19, 19 turning 20. And um, I got a very corporate job. It was like so vanilla. It was like 
watching paint dry on a daily basis. And I was young and ambitious and I ran into um, my friend, Trina, one of my co-founders and dearest friends um, at the Mex Mexican restaurant that we both worked at um, a, few, a few years prior. And she said to me, hey, I'm working at this talent agency. Um, we're in desperate need of help. At that point in time, there was a strike. I, I, I want to say it was like the SAG commercial actor. It was the TV news. Wasn't it the TV uh, writer strike? Yeah. What seems like that's almost the exact time. Yeah, it was right. It was right around 2000, uh, fall of 2000 specifically. And there was a flood of work coming to Canada. And she was like, was so busy. And keep in mind, this is still in the days of pagers, fax machines, all that business. And she's like, we just need someone to do anything and everything, like just answer phones. And I'm like, on one hand, I'm raised to like see something out and be loyal. And I've just taken this new job. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, I, I just took this new job. I feel like I should commit to it. And she's like, she can, we always say she can sell like sand in the Sahara. And she's just like, you got to come by. Just come, just come by. I'm like, okay, okay. I walk in the office immediately. It's fast paced. It's young. It's just like everything that like is me. And I'm like, oh, I gave my two weeks notice. I'm at this new company almost immediately. And honestly, the rest is history. So Trina and then our, our third um, co-founder, Vicky, our relationship really um, developed and blossomed under that roof. And we were together at that company from 2000 to 2006. It was a bit of like right place at the right time. I got a few promotions because there was some sort of internal personnel movement and, and obviously like I was just hungry and excited and a hard worker and, you know, not, not necessarily rocket science, but, you know, just hard work ethic. And I, I was clearly there to uh, perform and, and learn and all that good stuff. And it became clear sort of somewhere in 2005 that our interests were not necessarily aligned with the owner of that company. And we started to make some sort of dream up some changes and, and plans to depart, which we did in January, 2006. So the ladies started scheming. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> kind of like Jerry Maguire style. We're like, we're leaving. Who's coming with us? Oh my God. But I that, love it. In that day, like we're in our, 20s we don't know much about operating a business we we had you know saved a bit of money and like done a bit of homework but like it was a little bit like okay let's jump off this cliff and see what happens and fortunately our a lot of our clients saw the vision we had a lot of our clients decide to make the move with us um and so that was january 2006 and Fast forward, and there was just the three of us and an assistant in the early days. And fast forward, and there's 17 of us across three cities now. Uh, how many, what would your client roster sort of number be between, you know, I know you guys do voice acting and you do youth, and I'm sure you guys have a few other different oh, sort of areas. Yeah. yeah. What's your, what's a roster at a, a you know, sub 20 person sort of 20 person agency spread across North America? Like, What's the number that you guys would have approximately? Like, do you guys, I'm sure you have hundreds of people that you service. I mean, between all the, between all the departments and between all of the agents, uh, yeah, it, we, we'd be in the hundreds, but I think more, I, I could say more accurately, each of us like to sit around 40 or 50, give or take. 
I, I see that being like, I, I know because I've had to manage things. 40 is a lot of individual uh, interests to manage. Um, so to, to cut this really short and to put this in terms that everyone know, you worked your way up from the mailroom to get exactly where you are and you had to do it with your skills to do it. I know you well and your um, empathic, your empathetic nature is something that I, I noticed immediately. Like you, you really do have a way of understanding what's happening with people without anybody actually vocalizing it. You're really good at that. Um, I, I'm assuming that there's like core skills that you and Trina and everyone would have that they might be slightly different, but I would, I would assume that that's one of your superpowers. And that's probably, you know, like, I, I, I'm assuming, um, and I, you know, I don't want to let all the cats out of the bag here, but is that something like that you lean on? Like when I look at you, I go, I, I think she'd be so good at that. Cause she would understand exactly how I'm feeling, how to break the news, how to do these things. So a lot of it is, um, like it's so emotional, whether someone gets a job or doesn't get a job, I'm assuming it can be just absolutely soul crushing for these people. Yeah, there's been tears on both ends, like the best news of the year and the worst news of the year. There's there's, you know, tears associated with the with the wins and the losses for sure. There's no question. And I think uh yeah, we we talk internally, um Trina, Vicky, Kaylee, Mary and I all have such different strengths and such different weaknesses. We're so lucky in our partnership that we have magically, and a lot of it is luck, found a way to complement each other's strengths and 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 weaknesses. And that's a, a bit of a different topic in terms of the way we run our business. But um, I think what's interesting and what reflects in our rosters is we have very different clients because of the way we operate. Like although the company might have sort of our general um, vision and approach to how we do our business. Each of our individual rosters are very different because I think each of our personalities attract different types of people. Um, but yeah, I know, like, I like to listen. I like people. I, you're right. I, I think I am empathetic and I can <clears throat> bring that to the table. I think in a very hard edged industry um, our clients are going out for job interviews on a daily and weekly basis and usually getting a no. Like, imagine what that feels like. You, you, That's you terrible. For 50 interviews in a month and most of those are going to be no. You might be lucky if there's one yes. And um, so you're dealing with people who have to have very thick skin, but at the same time, they're humans and they're going to have hard days and they're going to have hard months and they're just gonna be like, Lena, I don't know about this. Like really I'm putting my best foot forward every day and this, like, this is it. So yeah, the, the, the I think love for people and humans in general, um, lends to my job on a daily basis. <laughs> I, I, I could only imagine like there, there's certain people like I don't want an Ari Gold. I don't want that. I want someone that's going to understand why I'm crushed at a certain point. And some people do like some people want that tough love and some people want that like hustle. And like, again, like those might not necessarily be my clients. My approach to this is going to be different than the Ari Golds of the world. Yeah. And, and thankfully, uh, cause I like you as you are. From brand development to simple market executions, 54Blue helps brands of all sizes grow with sustainability in mind. 
Their full-stack range of services include print, fabrication, design, web, interactive, content marketing, brand consulting, creative strategy, and more. Join some of the world's largest brands and lean on 54Blue for your next go-to-market. Visit 54Blue.com for more information. I want to ask you about marketing because you guys have like in essence, you guys are a giant marketing mill and I'm just going to run down how I see it. And I could be very, very wrong. So tell me if I'm, I'm off. You guys would have to market to potential clients. So you would have to have some form of outbound and inbound way of receiving, um, uh, reels and all the different things, but there would also, I would assume be targeted searches against certain people and you would have client acquisition to get a certain tier of actor and so forth. And the bigger the actor, the more they get paid, the more you guys get paid. I think that's probably in everyone's best interest. You guys also have to market play management as a business and as an entity in the world. So you, you need, the industry needs to be aware of you, you know, outside of the industry, kind of whatever my, you know, my mom doesn't need to know who play management is, but your the places that you are seeding actors into and all of that groundwork to be like, Oh, I know this person there, they're going to be in this casting, this, 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 we've got a good shot. Like these would all be relationship and all marketing in, in the end, some of them turn into very great personal relationships. I'm sure. But most of them start off as marketing. You then would have your actors, getting in a role and then the marketing happening from the studio, if it's lucky enough to be a large thing or, or a large, you know, Broadway thing or whatever. And then there would be a whole series of promotion happening with your actor in it. And then I would assume as the manager, you would be helping to make sure that your client's best interests in that marketing form. And then your, your client's marketing from that, product standpoint would have to be taken care of which is another tier and then as a manager not as an agent you would also be like tracking these guys all, all the guys and gals social media what are they doing on facebook what are they doing here you can't do this you can't do that we need to book you at a personal appearance here we need to like you know keep you hot and move you through these different tiers so it's funny because when I first asked you to do this, you said, I don't think I've got anything to talk about. Yeah, I'm like, what, what do I have to do with marketing? But yeah. as summarizing this, I'm, I'm thinking, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it literally is all marketing. And you guys sit in the middle of negotiations and then you, you sit as sort of the stewards of these personalities to make sure that they get treated right so they get maximum growth. And that maximum growth from an empathetic side is for the person, from a business side as play management is income. And you guys want them like every, you know, if it's 50,000, that's great. If it's a hundred thousand dollars, well, that's double and double is great. Mm -hmm. And so with all these different tiers of marketing going on, you're handling your own 40 in this world. Do you have, um, like, do you dedicate certain, like, do you have team members that help you backfill this stuff? Are you like looking at like, how do you even do it? Like, so you'll have, let's say at any given point, if you've got 40 actors, you may have 20 in play on any given day. And that would rotate through really quick. Yeah. How are you staying on top of like crazy social media activity, promotions from studios or from the plays or like, 
on and on and on. It's a lot. And I've talked to your husband about this and he's just like, it's crazy. She's on the <laughs> yeah. phone all the time. Um, so can you run that down? Because I am going to guarantee that nobody really knows. Like, let's just pretend it's me. I'm an actor and I come and see you and you, I give you a reel of whatever variety and you're like, Jamie, we want to represent you. What happens from that point on? Okay. Oh, fun. Okay. So we would look at you and chat with you about goals and whether that's your goal in the next six months, your goal. I, I like to sort of do the one, three, and five, because sometimes again, you draw that lucky card and you get a winner out of the gate and like, you're kind of off to the races. But sure. in a lot of, I would say more typical situations, you're dealing kind of like with a one, three, five year program. And everybody is different. Some people are like, I love Vancouver. I just want Vancouver to be my home. I'm a family mm -hmm. man. I, ju I just want to be making a steady income. There's other people who are like, I love horror. I want, I want to star in like the next Saw franchise. Okay. Or like, no, I've got stars in my eyes and I intend to be in LA and I intend to be in the next James Cameron movie. So like, right. you know, we have to clarify, first of all, what everybody is after and every story and every circumstance is different. And of course we manipulate and adjust that as, as we go. But that's sort of my initial start. And then we look at the marketing, you know, what, like, what are we working with? Are you 14 and just entering this business? Are you 25 and maybe some people love you, some people don't love you, and we need to sort of, you know, do some relationship mending? Um, do you have any social media presence? I mean, social media has obviously change the game for better or for worse in terms of our clients. And finally, people have smartened up about, you know, posting your party photos on a Friday night is probably not going to do well with Hallmark. Um, cause I'll, certainly... I'll take down the photos of you, me, Derek and Harper Lee in Greece. If that Thank helps, you. I'll take those down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah. We all have skeletons in our closet, but um, so, so yeah, what's your, and some people are really anti-social media and that's okay. Like we have to be okay with that. Not everyone can have 2 million followers and not everyone enjoys engaging on those platforms. And so it's like, okay, it's maybe we're operating at a bit of a disadvantage, but we'll work with it. So we're looking at all of those materials in terms of marketing someone. And I think our approach and our strategy in marketing people has had to adjust drastically. I don't know about quickly, but like the world has changed and media in general has changed. The pandemic has changed. Like we, I think we've experienced more change in our jobs and our roles and responsibilities more in the last three to five years than in the 20 years I've been doing this. It's just a lot has happened. Right. You're not getting people on the phone, you know, whether or not you like cold calling or not is part of our job or it was part of our job, but people are less inclined to pick up the phone. Just email me, just email me. And it's so hard to just call and essentially sell and pitch your client when you can't get somebody on the phone. So then you're left sending emails. Did they check the email? But, but right. now our, now our, pitch material, this marketing material you're talking about has become 
extra important. Like, what hmm. is that headshot looking like? Is, do we have the most up-to-date um, reel, the, the most up-to-date material on the jobs they've done? If not, what are we using in lieu of? Um, and our, our, we, we sort of use like a bio or a five or six line pitch that just sort of summarizes this person and where they're at and what they've been doing. And that stuff has to be like amazing because we've shifted to strictly digital, I mean, 90% um, digital audition process. Thank you to the pandemic. So now, you know, someone like yourself, Jamie, who's, you know, great in a room and you're super confident and, you know, you, you can sell yourself in front of a producer director. You no longer have that opportunity hmm. because everybody is taping in their basement at home and you hope you hope the director or the casting director or producer, whoever is watching it, is watching more than the first five to ten seconds of it. Because so does does that have you guys noticed that that's eroding the like that obviously is eroding the ability to get a very charismatic person who will bring something different to it in? Is it like is it making more? cleaner lines and channels like, okay, you know, I'm a producer. We're looking for, uh, uh, you know, a girl next door, blonde, five foot eight, uh, Southern accent. And like, they're just like dead fixed on what this is. And cause they don't have the chance potentially to go through the, in the room experience. I got to assume that like leads it's, to error. It's more competitive than it's ever been. Honestly, wow. like it, it, it it, I, again, I love my job, but we and our team and my colleagues, it is so competitive because you used to have, I don't know, let's take a guest star on Riverdale, maybe 20 people auditioning for that opportunity. And now there's 60 people auditioning for that opportunity. And and you're not getting that face time. You're not getting that moment to kind of step outside of the box and make yourself stand out um, in the room. And so mm. there's so many lengthy pros and cons, as I'm sure we can all agree in all industries in terms of what how the pandemic has, has shaped our world now. But that's definitely been an area where we've had to chat internally in terms of like, how do we make our clients pop and stand out in this like crazy competitive market? And then having those conversations with our clients. And it's still relatively new. And it's it, we're asking a lot of questions of, of sure the producers of the casting directors of the directors of the studio execs the people who are actually making these decisions like how can we make our clients pop what what what's going to be the game changer between the next the 40 year old white guy <laughs> <laughs> so when you guys are doing this and you're primarily um targeting now i know you've got a fairly good roster of young actors is is and I know that much about what you do. What is your like? You end up having to deal then with a more complicated landscape because you will have stage parents or maybe great parents that just don't turn into crazy stage parents, which are close to hockey parents, which are close to ski yeah, parents, yeah, which yeah. are you know a <laughs> uh, little bit of everything. Um, but that you, you're contracting and you're signing all contracts through an adult and then working with these young actors, it, that extra layer of the parents in there, I'm sure can be a blessing or it can be a curse. Um, what is the like, why kids? 
I guess like, that's my first question. Why, why, why absorb that extra layer, whether, whether it's good or bad in, in, in any situation it can fluctuate, but what's the reasoning behind that? Was it, was it, there was room in the market or you just love seeing that young kid? Like both like there's definitely joy in that i mean there's certainly challenges dealing with you know families and and family dynamics but it's less com it, it, it it's less competitive you know based on what we were just talking about you can it's much easier to have a really interesting cool 15 year old kid pop versus the 30 year old female who's been at this for so long and she is the blonde haired blue eyed girl next door with the southern accent but she's got a thousand competitors out there my 15 year old does not have a thousand competitors out there right. so we're narrowing the the margins and and interestingly enough i started with kids but all my kids are adults now and i'm not <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have i have a handful of like kids and i really enjoy from like where I'm at in my career, um, I really enjoy that process. I tend to pick and choose very carefully the families I work with because there is a great joy in that. They're not, you know, necessarily doing it for money. They're not doing it for the, the star power. They're not doing it because they have a mortgage to pay. They're doing it because they love it. And they're doing it like they would hockey or gymnastics or riding their bike on the weekend. It's a true passion. And those are the families who I tend to choose to work with. And that's really fun. Like when you, I called a girl last week, there were tears. It was the cutest phone call ever. She's screaming in the background. Ah! Like, like those are amazing phone calls. I don't care if I make $15 on that. I've just made yeah. some like 13 year old girls year. That's fun. That is fun. And, uh, it's got to be fulfilling on so many different levels. We're not here for the high rollers, snooty wine critics, or long haul collectors, but we do think it's about time wine sellers turned into swoon worthy works of art. Our experienced designers will bring your dream wine cellar to life, fitting any sized space and aesthetic requirements in your home. Our craftsmen carefully hand build your cellar to give you a wine storage space that really feels like you. Visit themodernseller.com for more information. Speaking of your, the talent that you currently have, what are like, what are, what's in production that you can talk about that you have some actors in? What is recently released in the last year or two? What are, you know, some of your biggest successes? Um, I don't know if you want to bring up like, you know, if you can go into anything that's, that's in that world, but. Um, I know that you've got, you've had some actors placed in some great movies and, and, and productions and stuff. So do you have anything that you want to reference through that and, and sort of shout out any of your people? I would love to talk company wide because I think that the um, reputation of our company has truly, truly, truly been based on our team approach. And um, whether it's my roster or one of my colleagues roster, we've got so many people out there doing amazing things. Um, and there's a handful of things right now in the forefront that are like super exciting. Um, we have a handful of people in the mix for Oscar nominated films, which for a Canadian based firm is like really, really exciting for us. Um, Amazing. 
Uh, Trina has a client by the name of Danielle Deadweiler, who will hopefully likely get a nomination for uh, Best Lead Actress for her performance in this movie called Till. Um, mm. And uh, Mary, my uh, colleague, has a, he's originally hailing from Vancouver, a young Vancouver boy by the name of Gabe LaBelle, who plays the young Steven Spielberg in The Fablemans. And um, he actually just won um, uh, Best Breakout or Best Up and Coming uh, Performer at the Critics' Choice Awards this weekend. Um, And obviously, anyone attached to a Steven Spielberg film is exciting, let alone when you're playing the young Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Um, And then uh, the other one is Vicky's client, actually, a a young girl named Kate Hallett, who is in Sarah Polly's film is getting a ton of attention right now, women talking. So this is one of the first years, um, you know, after 17 years where we've got three people involved in potentially, you know, award, I mean, they're already award-winning productions, but, you know, the the nominations for the Academy Awards are coming out in a couple weeks here, and we're really excited to see where that takes us, and we're really proud. We're really proud of of those accomplishments. It's a big deal. How how could you not be? That's amazing. Um, Shout out to the to the ladies crushing it at play. Good job. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, um, a, lot of, a lot of hard work and a lot of teams involved in that. But uh, yeah, this is this is going to be. It's an already an exciting first uh, couple of months for us here. Yeah, that's going to be unbelievable. And we're what sixteen days into right, you know, seventeen, eighteen days into January is when we're recording this. This is yeah. pretty good to be that positive about the year. That's awesome. Um, speaking about the the roster and, and who you guys have, as I've referenced, you guys are all, uh, it's a fully female owned and, and run business. I've met the bulk of all yeah. of you and you're all delightful. You're all very different. Uh, and you guys all mix in and work really well with each other. Was it a conscious effort to be, we're only, we're going to be a female uh, managed business or did it just happen by that's you know who you guys were gravitating and hanging out I with at the time yes that it was a strategic choice uh and we were way ahead of the curve in terms of female-led businesses but no it was sort of coincidental if i'm going to be honest and so many people ask like oh my gosh like that amount of women like you know originally just the three of us and now the five of us like how does that work like you know dynamics and and all of that. But what I think is very unique and often advice I give to young entrepreneurs is I didn't necessarily go into business with my friends. Mm. I, our friendship blossomed out of working together. So we first and foremost knew how each other operated on a daily basis in terms of our, um, our work ethic and our integrity and our approach and our friendship came from um, so it wasn't just like a couple of girlfriends sitting around having wine being like, let's start a company together. It was quite the opposite. Um, with the exception of Trina, who I knew at a Mexican restaurant when I was 17. Um, and, <laughs> and God I- love burritos, right? <laughs> they brought you together. Oh, no, we, we still bond over a good margarita. I'm sure. You yeah, can I could imagine. And, and then same with, um, same with, uh, Kaylee and Mary. I mean, they were working with us for. 10 years and we we knew 
that they would be strong additions to our partnership. Um, but again, those relationships and, and now some of my truly dearest, closest friends um, really blossom out of working under the same roof together. Um, Amazing. Versus the opposite. Because I, I can't attest or necessarily recommend to a bunch of friends getting together and starting a business together. Like I can see that having all sorts of red flags and issues associated with it, but it's not how the evolution of our partnership came together. Well, it's amazing. That's where you guys got to, because it doesn't always work that way. No, um, no it just doesn't. Um, speaking about like, I just want to dwell and go back a little bit to your, your actors that are out crushing it right now. Your artists are out doing it. Um, and it goes back to one of my original sort of marketing questions. There's going to be a ton of press against these yes. uh, artists at this point. Um, do they come to you? Uh, like, how do you guys m help your artists manage that? And then do you guys have like a little bit of wiggle room? Do you get like, <laughs> does the studio, and I know the answer is probably no, but does the studio go to come to you and go, Hey, we're going to be focusing on your actor for the next, like, you know, big sort of tranche of, um, marketing, um, you know, here's the four photos we're going to do, which one would you like? Like, do you get optional things here to help guide your, like guide the growth of your, your artists? It's more collaborative than that. And, and to be honest, when we've got clients, even a series lead on a Hallmark show, we're bringing a publicist onto the team. Like there, okay. there, there's no question. I, Again, like I'm, I'm going to have the experience and the knowledge in terms of a the publicists who we know and trust and are going to do a good job, and I'm going to have an opinion on you know when those photos come in and the marketing tools that they're using, and we as a team will discuss like uh, not really looking for this look and this vibe, like this isn't really what we're going after here, and that will be a very collaborative process. But when you get to a certain level, you're definitely bringing on a publicist to help steer that train for sure. I love it. Speaking of Hallmark, I've got two pitches I'd like to give to you that you can pass Ooh. on the Hallmark. First one is obviously a Christmas movie called Flipping Over the Holidays, where a sexy, okay, construction guy is working and he's flipping a house with his friend who's a female and they're friends, but not dating, right? And it just sort of goes awry. Uh, they hate each other and they're back in love, but it's like, just imagine house hunters with Hallmark. It's going to be beautiful flipping over the holidays. My second one is called X dash mess. And it's like motocross, but Christmas and it's all <laughs> extreme sports. <laughs> well, look, Hallmark's taking on a whole new brand themselves. You might have something there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pitched, uh, I think, because uh, I had a I had an elbow surgery. There's the, I think I showed you. There's one of the elbow surgery scars uh, at Christmas, and so I sat on the couch eating. Uh, I didn't want to take the the hard drug, so I sat and I ate weed gummy bears because it hurts like hell for days and days and days. And I literally probably watched five or six full days of Hallmark Christmas movies. So I've got a lot of pitches in this genre. I, okay, well, two things. First of all, I guarantee you would have watched like 
a large handful of our clients because Hallmark loves shooting in Canada. You probably yes. recognize a lot of the same locations. So between Toronto and Vancouver, it's a staple for us. And, and I'm very grateful for them. Um, and second of all, you figured out the equation pretty quickly. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's formulaic. <laughs> it's amazing. And the actual good ones are great. Like if you're just sitting there watching a, something for entertainment, there's nothing wrong with those love stories. They're great. Yeah, they're they're, 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 they are. They're real, feel good. Well, if you, we, we can talk offline after. <laughs> oh my God. I'm such a knucklehead. Okay. So you, you touched on the next thing I want to ask you about. So, um, you're sitting in Vancouver right now. I'm sitting in Calgary, Alberta. Um, they just released a TV show called Last of Us, which is HBO's most expensive show that's ever been filmed. Uh, it is their largest production ever done. Um, and it is centralized and filmed in the uh, Alberta, Alberta, BC, Toronto, uh, Vancouver, but primarily, I believe, Alberta was its Majority. main home. And God love them. Um, they are, the first episode was fantastic and it's, uh, Calgary, it doesn't look like a wasteland. If it, they did a great job of making it look like a wasteland and <laughs> some people might call Calgary a wasteland, but it's my city and I love it. Um, but thanks for that. You know, thanks to them for bringing this through. Um, your, I know that Derek, uh, and his company, at RVRD, RVRD, Reverts, Reverts yes. Cinema, like right up behind me. Um, <laughs> They, they had a, a social post where they got to shout out some of their work that went on there. Um, the heat, so the, the business in Canada is only growing. And I know that Vancouver is loosely referred to as Hollywood North, I believe is kind of like yeah. the kitschy sort of thing. Um, are you like, th this can only help your business. This has oh. got to be so ridiculously exciting for you guys because there would just be an ocean of film work happening. Um, what is the, like, what does that future look like? Why are, and, and this is more of a general industry question. Why is Canada doing a good job of marketing it, marketing itself to Hollywood and New York, wherever the productions are coming from? How are they doing such a good job of dragging them up? What's the, What's the spin? Well, I mean, for decades now, since the 80s, there's been tax incentives, right? You've got provincial and federal tax incentives. And then, although over the years, we've seen a dip and we've seen a plateau, but the currency exchange, right? Like you're talking multi, 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 multi million dollar budgets. I mean, The Last of Us is just like next level. And tax credits aside, you take 25 to 30% and add it to, to your budget with the mm -hmm. exchange, that's appealing. Um, and so that's where, you know, to my knowledge in sort of the late eighties when they were shooting 21 jump street on the West side of Vancouver, you know, that's sort of where Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, in recent years, uh, talk about reputation, like the infrastructure, the crews get worldwide recognition for their abilities and and capabilities. The um, the infrastructure in terms of the studios, the state of the art um, studios being built. I, it, 
Edmonton has a huge new one, actually. I believe that's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Vancouver, we're actually busting at the scenes. What's going to be our biggest um, uh, fallback in the next little while is max capacity and literally running out of room to house these uh, productions interested in coming here. Toronto's growing at a rapid pace in terms of infrastructure. They're they're just buying up like lots and, and empty studio space for years to come because there is such a demand. And we really noticed a peak in that business. We were uh, industry fortunate enough to bounce back relatively quickly after the hit of, of COVID in, in March, 2020. Um, right. We were back up and running by um, June, late June that year. Canada was before the US, if I'm correct, right? hundred percent. Yeah, way before. Um, industry-wide, we have the resources, AKA the money to sort of do the testing and figure out all the mandatory government needs and the protocols. Like, you know, we just had the resources to throw at it. And when we say we, I mean, royally, it wasn't, you know, us, it was sort of the unions and, <laughs> and the, the producers and everyone coming together to really make that happen. And I'm so, Derek and I are both so grateful for that because being a dual income household from the same industry that really could have gone either way. Yeah, um, that, that, that I had a couple of great conversations where with Derek, where he was just like, he's like, he, he's a, an optimist beyond optimist in yeah. lots of situations. No, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's this. And he's just, he was spinning like a top, but yeah. in behind that, I could see the holy shit. Yeah. We, we course corrected very quickly. And if you recall, the numbers were just like out of control in states like California and, and New York and our number, I mean, we simply don't have the populations to begin with. Um, and so even with that 10 day quarantine, uh, productions were flying, flowing up to Canada. The commercial industry was really hurt. Uh, the on, like the on camera live action commercial industry was really hurt because they, like 10 day quarantine or two weeks or whatever it was made zero sense when you're here to shoot a commercial for three days. So right. that aspect of, of the business was certainly uh, affected, but film and television, it, it, it was, it was fantastic. Honestly, we're so lucky. Yeah. When the Canadian government looks at hockey and making movies, uh, they want to get people across that border as quick as they can and, and do it. And they did a good job, I think in, in both those sort of realms. Yeah, from our perspective, it, it was painful sometimes, but we can't complain. We end, we ended up on top. Yeah, and and very much so. Both of your, uh, you know, I don't want to dwell on Derek's company because this is about Lena, uh, but I know both of you are, are exceedingly successful, and you guys have bounced, not even bounced back. You guys just kept accelerating out of that, which is un unbelievable. We were um, speak. Yeah, well, no, it's funny, actually. Sure, you can say that, but I actually don't believe that. You guys worked hard and in the background, and it's the same as my company. Like All my companies accelerated out of it. It wasn't because we sat back and went and fooled around. No, me and my partner, Mark, and me and Greg, we dug in as hard as we could, and we went and prospected, and we went and created new divisions, and we just went hard. Yeah. There was no, there was no days off in oh, COVID. No, like, I no. people doing uh, puzzles and drinking wine at three o'clock in the afternoon. Like that shit nope. was driving me crazy. I was like, who are these people? This is like madness. So no, no. that was not me. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, there's n none of that happened. So luck had, uh, you know, opportunity was seen and you grabbed it. And um, that's how you come out of those things, accelerating like crazy. Like you just, you hit the ground, your wheels were spinning so fast. Yeah. Um, speaking of COVID, um, 
I know dealing with uh, needy clients, uh, and God, I love my clients, but some are needy, uh, and dealing with um, the marketplace and all these different things, uh, I found uh, I could work remotely pretty easy. We were already in Calgary with the business I do. We're doing marketing for clients all over North America. Um, I would assume before COVID, you were a very touchy-feely, travel-y kind of world. Um, and it would have been tough, uh, like holidays. I, I know you and Derek, you guys would get holidays, but you also work ruthlessly in between all these things. Um, has, from, since COVID happened, um, was there some changes in uh, work practice um, and acceptance of that sort of stuff? Yeah, for sure. The um, switching, first of all, internally to a work from home culture, like the logistics of it were easy. I mean, as far as we're concerned, as long as we have internet, a phone and a computer, like we can do our business. That's all pre-COVID. Like as long as you had those things at your fingertips, you could pretty much work from wherever. I think culturally as a small business, I'm very interested to see where this work from home um trend. And I know it's changing. I was just reading this morning. There's a lot of companies essentially demanding people get back into the office, but there's so much tacit knowledge that is learned, whether it's listening to somebody senior uh, talk, a client off the ledge, whether it is taking an earful from a producer and navigating that graciously and professionally, whether it's just like yelling out in the office like hey i just got off the phone with so-and-so like you know there's so much that we're forgetting that is exchanged on a daily basis when you're shoulder to shoulder with somebody and just the basic water cooler talk in terms of like bonding with our employees and and connecting with one another and so i'm just old school i mean I, i i like that i like getting out of my house i like coming into my office um i i understand the the pros of, of working from home, but I think it'll be really interesting to see how that affects our all companies and all industries growth moving forward, because I can't necessarily oversee and mentor how my young up-and-comers are handling difficult situations. I'm trusting and I'm hoping that while they're on the comfort of their couch, they're navigating those conversations right. as we as a company like them to. Um, you know, certainly in terms of um, attendance at, at bigger public events, they're we're just really getting back into the swing of that. Sure. Um, uh, I was actually doing a set visit out there in Calgary on a Hallmark uh, show, and I was like scrambling at the last minute to like find a face mask because production is still <laughs> testing regularly, face masks for everybody. Like, the, you know, we're still very much in that mindset. And I find like an Air Canada like thing and I throw it on last minute and I get in there and I get one look from the COVID safety team, like into the radio, da, 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 we need like, a, <laughs> it's like called out for my like shitty face mask. <laughs> but yeah, I like think we're at the tail end of all that banana stuff we were dealing with, but our industry is very also heavily um, reliant on insurance. And so right. the insurance aspect of COVID was probably one of the most difficult aspects in terms of recovering. Um, and so we're still dealing with a lot of that kind of stuff. Which makes sense because it is a tricky thing. And these are uh, not to call them expensive people, but expensive people um, with uh, 
Well, there's a lot on the line. Like you there's know. a lot on the line. It's it's like hockey players. They're just they get paid a lot. If they're missing their work, it's a problem, and there's insurance <laughs> against that. And it's just everything is stacked up. Like it's crazy. You have to wear a mask everywhere, but Tom Cruise can ride his motorbike off of a giant <laughs> jump ten times in a row on a single day, and they're just like, oh, "That's great, Tom. Good. Yeah, you want to do it again? Let's do it again. One more time." Um, oh and I do like that's just crazy. So true. Does your brand need some help in the trade marketing department? Manage your sales tools with Regulator's easy-to-use features. Whether it's fixtures or displays, POP, custom art or promo products, you can submit single or bulk orders for all your locations within minutes, using a simple, streamlined process. Deliver content, manage your budget and view the market, all from the palm of your hand. Move up to 10 times faster than your competitors and capture all the opportunities that put your brand on top. Visit brandregulator.com for more information. So technically, um, digital actors are a thing. This is one of the last things I want to dig into and because I don't understand it. I just I saw Avatar the other night and there's like it's obviously a ton of cgi layered over top of actors and it's well done and it is what it is uh that being said i believe that movie is solidly an hour too long however <laughs> um i literally have uh an ai platform that i can type a, a script into a paragraph into and an ai actor reads it back to me and it is evident that it's an ai actor okay however if like on first pass if i showed it to my mom my mom wouldn't think so she would be like like she'd be like oh okay like and no offense to my mom but like if you just if you weren't looking for it um there's some issues with the speech there's some because it's an ai generated speech but it's like it's really good yeah and so there's um Avatar-esque, James Cameron can, you know, he is fam you know, in uh, Entourage, there were, there's a scene where he's getting ready to film a movie with the main um, character in it. And they were talking about something. He goes, oh, don't worry. There, there won't be actors in 15 years. And everybody that was like, everyone was like, but he's not actually that far off. It, it's shocking, but that's kind of like, there's no way that that will ever fully replace it, but it is a thing that exists out there. And like, there's like with the CGI generated stuff that can get overlaid on an actor, a job is a job is a job. So I think if you're in a, in a James Cameron movie and you're overlaid in blue at that point, you don't care. You're like, yeah. Nope, that's me. Um, what is the, like, I know that there's actors want the, to be seen. They want their face to be seen. And they like, there's certain, there's value against growing their own personality in the marketplace and being visualized. Um, does, is there, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Digital actors freak me out a little bit. <laughs> like, is there a concern? Are you, are you asking like, if that's like a concern or. Are yeah. Like, are you guys actually like, does anyone talk about that? Is that no. a thing? No, not. A, and, 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 and maybe I'm, shelter but i don't think i am i think i'm pretty in tune with where industry is at i think like anything 
there will be a market and a demand for that. There will always be a market for sci-fi. There will always be a market for fantasy, horror, like drama, comedy. Like you're going to always have Hallmark. Like you're always going to have audiences that, that enjoy that. Is it my cup of tea? Is it your cup of tea? Like I'm not really interested in watching an AI actor, but um, it will exist. And I think that there will be a home for it, but I have zero worry about it replacing actors altogether. Yeah, I I would hope you're right. Um, have you played around with chat GPT yet? It came out when you were on your Christmas holiday, so no, I'm going to assume you haven't. I would implore you to go Google this and do something fun. Google it if you get into it, because there seems to be a giant lineup to get into this platform. So just Google chat GPT. And when you go there, do something fun. Go write me a song lyric. I just read about this in the news yesterday. They're uh, like cracking down on this because it's writing like essays for kids in um, oh. in school. You have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like it's so ridiculously easy to abuse. Now it's funny because the the game's on. So this for anyone out there, ChatGPT is an AI. Uh, central around um, language. And so you can do stuff like this. You can go in and say, write me a uh, Snoop Dogg song in the style of Maroon 5, right? And it'll take those two things and it will cross-reference both of them and merge them. And it will be like, you'll get a Snoop Dogg song that sounds like Adam Levine wrote it. It's what? like, it's insane. It's oh, insane. So. And not like... I dumped in a whole bunch of my content uh, just to see what would happen. And I said, lengthen it, shorten it, do this, do that, do this. And it was so ridiculously accurate. And it's not, it, you can access it through the internet, but chat GPT AI doesn't have uh, ability to go to the internet itself and search. So anything it has has been very curated and prefed, but its knowledge is insane. That's frightening. So, um, the, when like, it's interesting because it's a really quick and hilarious rabbit hole because you could literally go to it and go, write me a Hallmark movie script. Called Flipping Christmas. Called, yeah, called, called Flipping Christmas. And you go, it's about uh, a construction man and his partner who's a female slowly falling in love over a construction thing. And it will, like, give you a fairly... <laughs> outline of what this well, is that's more concerning for the writers than anybody else jeepers so it's interesting because it's easily enough identified by other software systems now so someone's already like google has a way of being like nope that's ai written and that okay. this is this, so this is the article i was reading because you know stanford and some of the major universities are having to crack down on this but now there's the anti App. I know it's on an app, but anti-AI to detect which are essentially AI-generated and human-generated. And, and there's, because I went down the rabbit hole even deeper, because um, I own a tech company and my partner and I, Greg, were talking about this a lot. There is other programs that you take your chat GPT and you wash it through these other programs and it makes it completely impossible to tell if it was AI. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's it's shocking that that's where we're at, and I find it. Um, anyways, I find it amazing, and our world is, you know, my producer Jazz, who writes a bunch of content and does a bunch of work with us. I showed her Chat GPT, and she like 
she almost fell off her chair. She's like, my job. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just another amazing tool that's going to exist. That's going to make everyone's life easier. And chat GPT isn't there to write books. Chat GPT is there. Uh, the goals for that will be way more lofty. And it's not like kids writing essays, although that would be a, you know, a really, if you were on it and you had an essay due in December, boy, that would have been great timing. Uh, now they'll catch you. So media is changing. Media is ever evolving. I like to think of it as sort of half glassful. It's an exciting time to be alive. And, and if you can embrace it and kind of look at what it can bring us as not only as industry, but as consumers, it's pretty cool. It's, it's it's crazy. I'm not a half glass full. I'm a half or I'm a glass fully full and blowing over the top and it's just spilling out kind of guy. I think that there's so much, like if someone wants to start another company exactly the same as my two companies, go for it. There's so much opportunity for everybody that there's no way in any really world that we live in today that that is going to hurt anything. There's so much. I want everybody, all the blow, you know, rising tides make all the boats float and this technology that exists out there. Um, of course, there'll be bad uses of these, you know, deep fake technology uh, right now lives in terrible crap, um, like altering media and digital porn and all these crazy things. But deep fake technology is unbelievable. And there are great uses for these types of things. And so, you know, like if you can bring back a, a dead actor and put them into a movie that they're trying to extend the length of the movie on, why not? Why like, not? that's like, amazing. You're paying the estate of the actor, yeah. right? You're going to be yeah. like, money's getting generated. These things can go on and on. And there's nothing wrong with that stuff. I think it's really, really cool. Like, hell, I like to see young Luke Skywalker in a movie. That was amazing. Or, yeah, you know, it was a TV cool. show. And, and I think that's really neat. Um, okay. I've asked you tons of questions on uh, the clubhouse, in the clubhouse. There's a safe zone. And it's the uh, cool confessional. And today I got a doozy for you. I saved one. Oh, so, okay. Um, Does it have to involve tears? Because there seem to be a lot no. of tears so far. No, 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 no. This is just something that you, like, I, I do so many dumb, embarrassing things. A lot of it is crying. Men, men aren't really supposed to. I, I looked at Harper, my wife, the other day. We were watching something. And she turned around and looked at me. I had a tear rolling down. She's, oh, and I'm like, Harper, if you if you just didn't react like that, men, like men would cry way more. We'd be way more emotional if there wasn't this like giant thing every time we're emotional. So please, ladies, I've said this before. Just like let us be no, emotional. Okay, let, it's you, fine. Let, you, let you shed that tear. Yeah. Speaking of emotional, here's my confessional for the day. So I am. This is a this is a twofer. Because you're so great, you're getting a double. Ah, I'm lucky. Yeah, and it's it's an odd one. So I, I love music, tons and tons of music. I've said I'm a huge performing arts fan. Harper and I go see, you know, go to the ballet, all sorts of different concerts and stuff. We, we love it, love it, love it, love it. I've been going down a bit of a, a musical rabbit hole where I, like, go back to some of the older, like, popish style music. And I'm like, that attracted me when I first heard it on the radio. I want to go back and listen to this. And I'm getting sort of schooled in music a little bit. And I'm understanding how things work. And I can break down songs and listen to the intricacies. And this is the two for I am super, super in love with a song from Train called Drop, Drops of Jupiter. It was a monster hit. Okay. 
monster hit drops a Jupiter and it's uh, even more embarrassing. Um, it, it's an, it's an interesting song. I was like, I don't know why I'm attracted to this. It's like, it's like this crazy pop song. Right. <laughs> I, I looked into it and when you listen to it on the surface, it's a song about sort of jilted love. Okay. Right. And you dig into it and it's not about jilted love. It's about the songwriter, Pat Monahan had a dream just after his mom died from cancer and it was his mom's ghost traveling around the stars and coming back to him and judging him as a person and his internal self-worthy of being not good enough in the world. And it's you actually really did go down the music rabbit hole. Holy smokes. It's like stunningly beautiful. Not only is it actually an amazing composition in the world of pop music, it's, it's beautiful. It's like really, really uh, an interesting song. Now the twofer, the oh, version of it. Nope. No, that's the start. Now, <laughs> the version I really love of that song is a live version from Taylor Swift. Oh, good old T-Swift. T-Swift, which I've ignored Taylor most of my life. Um, and I'm having a real hard time now ignoring her because I may have a little uh, crush on Taylor. So... The best part about her version of this is one, she takes the song and she slightly alters the words. So it actually becomes a jilted lover song. Shocking okay, from okay. Taylor Swift. Okay. That she, she's singing about a, a relationship gone bad and she's oh, the yeah, hurt shocking. shocking. Totally off brand. Uh, yeah, totally <laughs> off brand for her. But not only that, but there's a spot and I implore everybody to do this. Her, her one, her voice is perfect. She has this like, really tight, almost imperceptible vibrato all the way through it. Her, everything is pitch perfect. It's beautiful. Sing, just her playing a guitar. It's great. Partway through, it's so cringy and so tragic. She um, hits one of the main points in the song, pauses partway through the song. The crowd goes crazy. And she does this like little like super... Oh, no one can, well, unless people are watching, but if people are listening, they can't see what you just did. It's, little, it's like... this like, yeah, it's <laughs> this cringy little, I'm so fucking awesome. And I know it, Taylor Swift look. And it's, it's funny because for, it's so bad, but it makes me like her more. And that is like, it's, it's unbelievable. Cause it's it like, just I, like, I don't give a fuck kind of woman. She was like, yeah, look at what I'm doing people. That's exactly it. And she's, but she's just like. Not only does she change the song, which she does a beautiful version of it, she makes it hers. She throws in this like little tiny cringy thing, which is imp like super quick. Uh, but it's driven me down the Taylor Swift, even though I know that she is like somehow massively unlovable as a like she can't keep a boyfriend. Whatever the problems with Taylor are, right. oh my God, it, her the attraction level that that gave me was like off the chart. I was just like. I, I got to listen to more of her music. So anyways, that, I'll be listening to that song on the way home and I'll report back. Yeah. And I want you to, I want you to watch it on YouTube and see that little cringy moment. Cause somehow it just makes it so much more Taylor Swift. It's amazing. And then second of all, now I'm just picturing you getting like hyped to get on the tennis court or on the bike trail. And you're going to be like jamming out to Taylor Swift. It's, uh, I'll, I'll be real clear on the bike. It's Jay-Z all day, forever. All right, fair, fair, yeah. fair. That, yeah, that, all day, I mean, every day. Taylor makes it into all, like, well, 
there's a lot of really random playlists. If anyone ever jumps into my headphones and grabs them, it's <laughs> might be shocking what I listen to. Uh, and more of that will get released. So that's my uh, my absolute cringeworthy. No tears, just a straight up. Uh, I love trains, drops of Jupiter, and even more love it live Taylor. from Taylor. So embarrassed. A anyways, stripping off everything that anyone could hold against me. What do you got for me? Do you have it? <laughs> <laughs> you have anything for me in the uh, confessional today? Well, I was saying, I was actually talking to Derek about this and I was throwing around a few, I mean, him, him and I have known each other 20 years. So there's not a whole lot that he doesn't know about me, but um, did you know that I was raised on a hippie commune? <laughs> no, but that's so awesome. And it goes, it somehow Natalie. doesn't surprise me, but it so surprises me. It's awesome. <laughs> Going back to being raised in Nelson uh, with the hippies and the crystals and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, mm. my parents actually met on this commune outside of Nelson and um, there was at any given time, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 families living on this 80 acre property. And that's how I was raised. A little ash ram in Nelson crushing, crushing out babies. Yep. Yeah, like any sort of stereotypical thing you would imagine, that's what our family photo albums look like. <laughs> oh, my God. So if nobody knows, Nelson, B.C. is a stunningly beautiful little town nestled in between a bunch of monster mountains. Uh, they're slightly lower altitude, so the snow they get is unbelievable. Their skiing conditions are wor like world-class all the time. But it is like, if you've ever been to Sedona in the U.S., it's like Sedona. So like it is brimming with aura <laughs> readers and patchouli and crystals. And like, I can only imagine legalized weed in Nelson is like literally rolling down the streets on carts at like this point. Or even a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable, but it is a, it's an absolute place that I think everyone should go and visit because Nelson is stunning, uh, through it that is, area. So and I, I grew up in a little community, uh, called Winlaw and, um, there are a couple of random people that have actually kind of come out of that community in, in, in terms of the, uh, film industry, but it'd be hard to find on a map, but yeah. That's that's my little cool confessional for the day. I uh, love it. I can't wait uh, to have your husband on and get his because uh, he has lots of things in life to be embarrassed about. Uh, oh. None of which are you. You're the, you're the <laughs> you and your children are the shining glory of Derek Heights' yeah, life. It all predate the year two thousand three when we met. I would hope. Uh, you promised me not to ask you about renovations. Oh God in your home and i'm not asking you i'm just telling you that i'm gonna ask derek about derek. renovations in Thank your you. home <laughs> and it'll be a very interesting conversation derek is uh i don't even know how to say it he's insane of diy and he takes so <laughs> much, I, I, give, I give him credit i give him credit he takes so much pride and so much joy and, and, and to his credit, he's actually quite skilled at it. What no, he, no, no, but you, you missed one. He takes, so yeah, that, that's it. Thank you. He takes so much pride. He takes, it's all done with love, but he also takes so much time. 
which he does not have any of. <laughs> yeah, which he works a ton. There's so many endless stories from Derek on that, um, including I'm going to find out why he forced his wife that was very pregnant to live on a boat. Yeah, that's a great story for your interview. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to actually get to the bottom of that because one, you are an angel for putting up with him, as is my wife. I've heard this many times. Yeah, both of you know that you are, which is problematic <laughs> for us because if you know your angels, it's hard for us to pull anything. So <laughs> anyways, uh, God bless you and uh, everyone that exists around you because you have uh, made my life better. Lena, thank you. Uh, well, I wish you guys were closer. I wish we were all closer to each other. I miss you guys. Yeah, we will uh, enjoy a summer on uh, a tennis court somewhere once my elbow heals and you get a few minutes to travel. Uh, we'd love to have you out to the ranch. Um, thank you for answering all my silly questions. Uh, I know a lot more about what you do and how you do it. And I think everybody out there uh, will enjoy it. I think there's probably a ton of young women that uh, would be super inspired on how you've moved through it, how you do it with such grace. Um, you don't have to be, you are not, you're the exact opposite of a ball busting businesswoman. You do it with grace and kindness. And I've seen you be tough, but like you're. With love. With love. You move with love. Uh, thanks for, for being on. Uh, everyone, thanks for joining uh, Mark Tears Clubhouse. We'll be back with another, uh, another episode at some point. Um, Probably in the next couple of weeks, we'll be releasing another one. Lena, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Really fun. Take care.